Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast. Of course, however you listen, whenever you listen, appreciate you doing it. Of course, our YouTube page, check it out there, 94WIP. Subscribe, all of our video content, including live shows on YouTube, clips from the day parts on WIP. All right, so let's get into it here. The Philly sign with Merrifield officially. I put out the uh, episode last week saying how much I wanted the guy. I thought it was a perfect fit, how the Phillies could use him. So Merrifield in camp now with the Phillies. Like what I've heard so far, wants a win, accepting a, maybe a smaller role than he's used to. He's been an everyday guy. Excited about Merrifield. I think he slots in as like the 10th man on the 2024 Phillies with the ability to get some real playing time as the year goes on. There'll be injuries and all that kind of stuff. But now the Phillies have, have likely finished out the position player side of things. We'll see if they add a pitcher um, before we get to opening day. My guess is going to be this is it, and they're going to figure things out and maybe go make a big move in the season if that is necessary. But as I kind of think about the Phillies and what they are now, you know what it's time for. I was listening to Saturday on WIP. Howard Eskett down at Clearwater, the first of our shows to go to Clearwater. Morning show will be going in a couple weeks, afternoon show, and then uh, we'll be there with the midday show uh, right towards the end, last week and a half or so of spring training, we'll be down there. Can't wait to get down. Yeah, I went for the first time last year. It's kind of crazy. I've never been to spring training, never been to Florida or Arizona for any team spring training, uh, let alone the Phillies. Just never experienced that. And it was so cool. I'm obviously doing the shows last year and all that, but just the atmosphere and being around and warm weather in March and watching baseball, it was, uh, it was really cool. So we're excited to go down there. But as we move forward here with the Phillies and really start getting in our mind what this team could be, we know the goals, we know the expectations. They have a World Series expectation. I have a goal, and we'll talk more about this over the next few weeks, of competing to win the NL East. I don't think it's a, it's a ridiculous goal this year with what the Phillies have done. But what does it look like? And you know what I mean by that. What is the starting lineup? What is the opening day starting lineup? You know, despite the Phillies' success the last few years, we argue about this all the time. It's one of my favorite debates on WIP because everyone has a different idea of what the lineup should be. So Howard Eskin presented his lineup to Rob Thompson on Saturday. He wrote it on an index card. You know, he kind of he hedged a little bit because he had a couple players you could have put fourth or sixth, and he put the name, the slash in the middle there. I love Howard, but you got you got to be strong on that. You got to have a one through nine for Rob Thompson if you expect him to use your lineup. Otherwise, you're making him make the decision on four and six. But anyway, great interview by Howard and, and good stuff by Topper there taking the lineup card. Here's my lineup. Here is how I would fill out the opening day lineup for the Phillies. And I do have a little bit of a switch from what I thought last week. I've been thinking more and more about a couple of players, what they did last year, kind of their trajectory, where they're going. And I feel more comfortable switching a couple guys that I had in the lineup. But for the most part, it's a very similar lineup to the one I tweeted out last week that I mentioned on WIP. Here's my opening day lineup. 
now that Whit Merrifield is in tow. And I am going to give the first opportunity because of his defense and because of what they signed Merrifield to do. I'm going to give the first opportunity to play every day to Johan Rojas, and we see where it goes. I'm not going to let the kids sink. I'm not going to let them play for two months, uh, you know, without question, every day, just because. And I'm not going to do that. If he struggles, he struggles. But here's how I would do it. Opening day, my Phillies lineup. Leading off is, of course, the left fielder, Kyle Schwarber. Oh, excuse me, the DH. Let's not, let's not, uh, I don't want to go crazy. The DH, Kyle Schwarber. So Schwarber DHs to start my lineup. And I have no questions on this. I have no debate on this. In my mind, this is it. This is one of the easiest things I have to do in the lineup is, is just put Kyle Schwarber one. The Phillies win when Kyle Schwarber is the leadoff hitter. Bottom line, the Phillies win. He had a 345 on base percentage while batting first. All other Phillies leadoff hitters last year had a 299 on base percentage in their 261 plate appearance. Remember, two years in a row, the Phillies have tried not to do this. They've tried to go the other way. And guess what? They've got off to slow starts. We keep saying, well, why are they going to have to slow starts? Well, how about putting Kyle Schrober where they win? You know, the Phillies' objective this offseason is to get off to a hotter uh, this season, is to get off to a better start. Stay in the division race. Don't fall 10 games behind the Braves by June. Well, it seems like the last two years they've done that in part. Now, the first year, the Girardi factor was a major one. He, he screwed things up considerably from the temperature of the room to the way he handled the bullpen. Girardi was a disaster in April and May of 2022, a disaster. Last year, you know, I heard Rob Thompson say it last week, the World Baseball Classic and, and guys in and out. Ah, All right, every team had that. Every single team had that issue last year. That wasn't just a Phillies thing. That was a baseball thing. A lot of teams had three or four guys run out of town from spring training because of the World Baseball Classic. So I'm not going to use that as an excuse. But one of the things I'll point to is when they put Schwarber at leadoff, they start winning. Just do it from the jump this year. Okay? They were 65 and 45, 65 and 41 in games in which they let off, started on June 2nd consistently. 99 win team. You know, they played like a 99 win team when Kyle Schwarber was the leadoff hitter. 99 win team. So I, I don't know why we are considering doing anything different. That's it. That's the spot. That is that is where we go with this. He's the leadoff hitter of this team. You start with power, you start with on base, and you go there. Start with power, start, start with on base, okay? He led off 106 games last season, had the highest OPS of any Phillies leadoff hitter in history. Okay, I can make a case through two years, Kyle Schrober's the best Phillies leadoff hitter of all time. Let's not overthink this. He's the leadoff hitter, Kyle Schrober number one. Batting second is Trey Turner. Look, you guys know my thoughts on Trey. Very, very underwhelmed with his first year. Obviously, he got hot in a significant way in, in September, October, uh, August, September, early October. I don't expect that, Trey Turner. If I get a little more smoothed out version of Trey Turner, like the final numbers, and it's not bad for four months and white hot for two, I think that would lead to more consistency with the team. Defensively, it was a mess last year. Led the league in errors. That's got to be cleaned up. But this is just the batting order. I'll keep him second because him at his best gives them their best chance in between the two lefties, as we saw early in the playoffs. Bryce Harper, third. Easy. Just write it in. No questions asked. Bryce Harper's your third hitter. Now, now here's where the debate comes. Four, I'm putting Castellanos. I know there'll be ups and downs. But here's what I get with Castellanos. When he is on, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of hits. Okay. We know we could hit 280 to 310. It's extra base hits, which means whoever's on base, he's going to knock them in. So that Turner, he'll knock in with a single from second. Turner, he'll knock in with a double from first. Bryce, he can knock in with a double from first. If it's Schwarber 
on second, a single will likely get him in. A double down the line definitely gets him in. As I construct my lineup, the bat path, the way Castellanos hits, forget the home runs, I'm talking about doubles, will get a lot of runs in. I like Castellanos fourth here. Number five, I'm going back to the well of Bryson Stott. I know a lot of people are, want this urge now to move him up in the order. Until I see him walk more, I don't believe he's yet a top-of-the-order hitter. He's got to hold a 300 average to be viable as a leadoff hitter without more either on base or power. And right now, he doesn't provide either at a very high level. He's got a little bit of pop. Obviously, we saw the home run against the Marlins last year. But I don't see that. Okay, I don't see consistent on base. I don't see the walks yet. It's not yet, it's not yet a big part of his game. Now, maybe he'll evolve and it will become one. But I like his bat-to-ball skills. And the reason why I like him five versus one, you know, him and Schwarber, two things. One, I'm not still yet sold. Stott's going to play every day, especially with Merrifield here. So you may get days against lefties. He's out. So then what am I doing? Am I reconfiguring the whole lineup with a different leadoff hitter? Or if, you know, I think it's easier to move the middle around. That's one. Two, you know, Let's go to the downside of Schwarber, the strikeouts. I believe they're worse in the middle of the order. He strikes out to start the game. Trey, you get on base. Let's get this thing rolling. Let's go. Let's go. One out. No big deal. When Schwarber's five and there's two outs and two on, that strikeout ends the inning, ends the scoring chance. Meanwhile, Bryce has stopped. What he lacks in the walk to start the game, he does provide in the contact to get the single to knock runs in in the middle. So the leftovers, let's say Castellanos, let's say Schwarber walks, Turner strikes out, Bryce hits a double, second and third, one out. Okay, in a perfect world, another double, another single, boom, two nothing, Castellanos. Okay, let's say he doesn't do that. Castellanos strikes out. So we've got a, you know, Turner strikeout, Castellanos strikeout, they're, they're fishing, they're going outside the zone, they're doing what they do. Two outs, runners on second and third. Bryson Stott at the plate, I feel more confident he's going to get that single to knock two runs in rather than Schwarber would do it. Now, Schwarber might hit more three-run home runs there, but he's also going to strike out 200 times and end rallies. I think Schwarber's better at starting rallies with the walk than Stott would be, and I believe Stott is better at continuing them and not ending them than Schwarber would be with the strikeout. That's my rationale for one verse five. Let's put Stott back at five where he was a lot of last year. Number six, I'm going to Alex Alex Bohm. Okay, now, a couple weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, I put out my lineup, and I had Real Muto here. I had Bohm drop to eight. And I rethought that a little bit. And now I like the idea of Bohm. I like putting Stott and Bohm together. They're very similar, lefty-righty, contact. We know Bohm's been really good runners to score in position. And I do think he's more of an ascending player. Meanwhile, Real Muto, you look at his offense, worst year since, you know, he was young. A lot of games under his belt. I would not be surprised. As you kind of project forward, and I've talked about this on the Midday Show, we keep doing this thing. We're like, well, he'll be better, and he'll be better, and he'll be better. And I can say I agree on a lot of the young guys. They'll probably all take a little bit of a step forward. That's how the progression of a career works. But the reality is some guys will be worse. That's, that's the way it works in big league baseball every year. Is Jeff Hoffman going to be as good this year as last year? Probably not. But someone else might emerge to be better. Soto's probably better in the bullpen. So, it all tends to even out. But as I look at this Phillies team, look at age, wear and tear. If I had to guess a player in the in the starting lineup that takes a step back, that really starts to hit a decline, it's JT Real Muto. Would not surprise me if he's if he's just at or a little below a league average offensive player this year because of all the games, all the wear and tear, the history of the catching position. This happens very often around the age Real Muto is now. So let's move him down a little bit. I'll leave Bohm at six. You know, sometimes I get frustrated. The ground ball double plays, you know, not still not the great, a great defender, although he's become a little bit more passable at third base. 
all that, but he does knock runs in. He's got a knack for that. Let's even leave him at six. So the order so far, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Castellanos, Stott, Bohm. There's my top six. Number seven, Brandon Marsh. I'm excited to see what he does this year. A lot of good signs. Really good in the postseason last year. You know, walk rate went up. I thought he was better at, at avoiding strikeouts, hard hit, all that kind of stuff. I, I like what I've seen out of the progression of Marsh. Now, a couple things. One, his batting average on balls to play, still extremely high, like oddly high. Can he, can he continue that? Is he a little bit lucky? We'll find out as time goes on. He is moving to that age now where he should be closer to his prime. The Phillies still have not trusted him against lefties. Is that going to continue? I don't know. This feels like the year to take the training wheels off and let Marsh try to play, but they gave Whit Merrifield $8 million. That's not an insignificant amount of money. They gave him, I'm sure they told him there's going to be a couple starts in there a week, if not three to four. And my guess is once a week against a lefty, let's say they play two lefties a week, one of those is going to be a sit for Stott, and one of those is going to be a sit for Marsh. That's my guess. And then maybe a third start a week is just get Rojas a breather if he's struggling against a tough righty and shift people around and get Merrifield in that way. That, that's my guess. No injury situations. Just, just how do you get them in the lineup? I, I, I would think we're going to see Marsh sit against one lefty a week. So we'll see how he hits him. And if he, if he earns every single day playing time, the knee surgery, probably not a big deal. We'll keep an eye on that. But I like Marsh a lot in that seventh spot in my lineup. Number eight, as I mentioned, Real Muto. Uh, he took a fall, you know, compared to his 2022. Last year, he went backwards a little bit. Adjusted OPS was not as good. And I do think he's a guy you trust in a big spot in, in October because he's got a lot of experience now. And he's had some big moments The inside the park against Atlanta. Obviously, the game one home run in Houston. But, but, I do think the wear and tear is real. And I think his offense is about to take a decline. Now, for the Phillies, what could save them is the offense for Marsh, Stott, Bohm should all take an incline. Should all should all should go up. I mean, Harper full season, uh, Turner maybe a more smooth out version of last year. I don't think he'll be uh, way better, but I also could see him be more just normal because last year was not normal. And I think they could get through and by with the real Muto, you know, natural decline here. And number nine is going to be Johan Rojas batting ninth. Leave him there. Not going to play with that. That's an easy one. And just see if he can hit enough and be productive enough to justify his glove. That, that's the entire Rojas story. The glove I have no worries about. It's real. It's special. You know, he, he, he passes the eye test of a special, special defensive player. And there's not many guys that right away have that. You know, once in a while you see a special young shortstop, you're like, wow, he picks it differently. A special young catcher. Wow, it's different back there. Yadier Molina, you know, and then obviously it's a center field is the other one. Wow, I remember watching Andrew Jones, 19 years old, the World Series, 1996. Wow, you know, just it kind of like it's unbelievable. And I, I had that feeling watching Rojas play defense for the first time last year. He hits ninth, and let's hope he's more of what he was in the regular season than what he was in the postseason. Regular season, he held his own. In the, in the postseason, he was a disaster. I did see the videos of his new swing path. He does look a little bulked up. We'll see how he is. I mean, he's, he's, he's got promise. I mean, he really does. We'll see if he becomes a full-time guy, a part-time guy. Um, he'll be in the big leagues for a long time, I, I believe, with his glove. He'll, he'll find a role. But we've seen guys that can't hit. You know, the Billy Hamiltons of the world. You know, th- those guys, Miles Straw now in, in Cleveland. There's been a, I've seen 50 center fielders in my life that could 
maybe not quite as good as Rojas, but play real defense and run. But they can't. You can't steal first base. You can't get to first base without getting on base or having a plan. So that's the challenge now. So here's my final lineup: opening day: Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Castellanos, Stott, Bohm, Marsh, Real Muto, Rojas. With Merrifield as my 10th guy. That's the lineup, Topper. That's the one. When we get down to spring training, I'll give Topper my lineup after Howard gave him his. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following WIP Daily. If you want to shoot me a note, inbox. Uh, you could shoot me a DM on Twitter, at Joe Gilio Sports, Instagram, at Joe Gilio Sports, or joe.gilio at odyssey.com. Send me an email there. Your thoughts on anything we talk about on the pod. Appreciate everyone listening.